going on, everyone? This is Drew Code Sports Talk, and I am your host, Andrew Wright. And over in his bedroom is my co-host, Cody Johnson. Cody? Hey, everybody. What is going on? Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoy this episode. So stay tuned, don't move, and keep listening. What's going on? All right. I am excited. I am ready. Uh, we have had a full weekend of sports. Uh, may, I mean, MLS. I've actually seen some uh, team tennis. <laughs> <laughs> I've been dying for sports, dude. I'm telling you. Uh, obviously, one of the main ones, baseball. Uh, I have basically sat down and watched baseball all weekend. And, uh, you know, I know it drives my wife crazy, but she also said, because of what's going on with the Marlins right now, and we'll get to that later. Uh, she was like, yeah, enjoy baseball while you can. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. I'm getting my fill in as much as I can. <laughs> uh, but before we get into everything that we're going to talk about today, first, Cody, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Uh, yeah, so sports is uh, back, as we talked about last week and what we're going to talk about now, which I'm pretty excited about, but I'm also kind of bummed, and I think I'm bummed for you. This is almost like the uh, when you went to the gym that one day, and the same day it canceled. <laughs> like, you're so excited. Baseball's back, and then not even 48 hours, and there's a threat to shut it down because of, uh, yeah. uh, of positive tests that, uh, you know, that are coming out of nowhere because there's no bubble in the MLB, which is what we talked about. They're keeping it yeah. regional, but that still means that, you know, you've got players going into different cities, crossing paths with different people that you don't know where they've come from. So, yeah. you know and yeah we're we'll dive into that but that's just kind of like where we're at so it's kind of uh almost like we had told you so kind of a moment don't you think yeah in a in sense yeah unfortunately but um another nonetheless you know we still get to get to watch sports for now so yeah. i'm gonna enjoy it as, as much as i can well um speaking of talking about sports um you know we I was so excited about baseball, and I think um, I think most people were. Um, something kind of, in my opinion, got a little overshadowed uh, this weekend uh, during all this baseball uh, season starting. Um, actually, uh, Jamal Adams from the uh, New York Jets, well, formerly from the New York Jets, was traded to the Seattle Seahawks, um, and. I honestly, normally I get like an update from like ESPN or Fox Sports or, you know, whatever it is on these apps. I got no notification. Mm -hmm. So I was busy watching baseball and in the middle of it, I was going on Twitter and I was just kind of looking around and then I see Adam Schefter's tweet about uh, that uh, Jamal Adams is being traded to the Seahawks. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh man, is, is this like, is it final? So I kept scrolling and I realized that everyone was then talking about it. So I was like, oh man, I missed a lot. So it was about an hour, hour and a half after the news actually broke. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh man, what the heck? I usually get these updates. So uh, pretty crazy. Um, but uh, Cody, I want to ask you first, how do you, I mean, what did you think of the trade? I mean, is it a game changer? Is it something that uh, to you doesn't really doesn't really matter i mean i mean mm -hmm. what's your thoughts on this on this trade uh for the seahawks and the jets 
So in my opinion, uh, I think that this is a good trade for the Seahawks um, because that, you know, they do need a, a safety that's going to basically be, you know, another leader of that defense other than Bobby Wagner, who's getting a little older. So you definitely want to get, you know, a really good safety, someone who they used to have in Earl Thomas, you know, back when um, the Seahawks had the, uh, had, you know, basically the trio or the quadruplets of basically shut down corners um, when they were basically, I think they weren't called the no fly zone. Um, Legion of boom. Legion of boom. That's what it was. Sorry. It's been, it's been a minute since I've heard that name, but (laughs) anyway, so another, a safety in the sense that could basically get them back to that point, although they still need work in their secondary. Adams is a good upgrade in my opinion, but you know, some would say that they maybe overpaid for Adams, and this is where maybe the Jets might have won this trade. But I'm actually going to make the argument that they doesn't matter what they would have done because right now, until they change leadership, and I mean like they're a racist or not they're racist, but well, actually no, their their owner has been accused of being racist and you know sexual harassment claims as you know um, recently. So it's not a very good light right now, or not very good to be on the Jets team. And then also you have their um, head coach and Adam Gase, who um, doesn't have a really good rapport with his uh, with his players right now. And, uh, you know, Adams was making that very clear of how his relationship is. And, you know, we kind of already knew that. But to get a player to kind of confirm that is just like another level of like where the Jets are at right now. So Mm -hmm. just to recap. Um, Seahawks um, are going to receive Jamal Adams and a 2022 fourth round pick. And the Jets are going to receive a first-round pick in 2021 and 22 and a third-round pick in 21 picks that they got. I mean, any other team, this would be great. I mean, imagine if, uh, you know, a team like Tampa got draft picks like this or a team like New Orleans got, you know, draft picks like this. Well, I'll even say the Broncos getting picks like this. Um, You know, the front office you can trust are going to turn these draft picks around to quality or at least get some more assets in terms of, you know, getting some high profile players that are maybe in situations that need to get out of it. You know, all Jamal Adams who just basically got traded from the jets. But uh, anyways, you know, I think for the most part, for me, I would say the Seahawks won. they got the better player and, you know, until the jets show me that they have leadership in the front office to really steer this team in a winning direction, you know, it doesn't matter what draft pick they get because they need to prove that they're going to draft the right players and they need to have the right culture. Because, I mean, Jamal Adams was a former first-round pick, and yet I don't think he lasts four seasons and he's already out. They, When they signed Le'Veon Bell uh, two seasons ago, he was basically, you know, alienated to the point to where there was even talks of the same offseason he got signed if he was even going to be on the team later that season. So, you know, just the fact that they're in that much turmoil and, you know, Sam Darnold is going into his third season doesn't really, you know, give me a vote of confidence that the Jets are going to be anything relevant in the NFL until they get some new leadership to really kind of address these issues and put them in the, put them in the right direction because right now they're not going in the, great, in a, in the, in the best place. So, yeah, I – I agree, actually. Um, you know, when I first heard, oh, it was two, two first-round picks, um, I, was, I didn't think much of it, honestly. I was just kind of looking at it like, oh, okay, you know, that's the price for a good player. And a lot of people were, were like, oh, man, I can't believe they would give up two first-round picks for a safety. And I go, well, Jamal Adams isn't just a safety. He's kind of a positionless playmaking defender. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, this guy lined up for the Jets at edge rusher. This guy lined up at linebacker. He lined up at safety, and he also lined up in the in the nickel every now and then for the Jets. So he's had, I mean, he's played essentially almost every position mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so he's a playmaking guy, and if he even just helps with a pass rush, if he even just helps with, you know, guarding the tight ends or covering uh, another receiver or just kind of slowing down the offense a little bit. That's already a huge help. Seattle has an okay team, defensively, I mean. But um, with Jamal Adams, he he can pick the ball off. He can make any tackle you need him to make. Um, he can go into the backfield and tackle the running back, can sack the quarterback, whatever it may be, you know. If he leads in quarterback pressures, if he leads in sacks by a defensive back, mm-hmm. um, if he leads the league in interceptions or tackles or tackle for a lot, I mean, any if he even just leads the league in pass deflections, he's already made a huge impact on the Seahawks, and this is what they need. They have a, a good, a solid linebacker at Bobby Wagner. Um, they have uh, Shaquille Griffin and um, and his brother as well, and those are the, um, those guys are are solid guys. Um, I I like this move for Seattle. I think I know a lot of people are like they gave up so many draft picks. You guys, you obviously are saying that you don't trust yourself in the draft and blah blah blah. Well, yeah, you know the draft is kind of a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. You know. If if it were a perfect science, there would be no flops in the NFL. There'd mm-hmm. be none of that. There'd be no busts. Jamar- Jamarcus Russell would have oh. been the best quarterback <laughs> in in the NFL. I you mean, just had to say that name. You just. But had I mean, to I mean, seriously name. though, like, wh- what are we talking about? Like, mm-hmm. everyone wants to be like, well, you just lost all these draft picks, and people want to make the argument. Well, if you would have made. If you would have got like ten draft picks, your chances of getting all of those as a bust are are diminished. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's with anything. Even if you only have two draft picks, you have a fifty-fifty chance of this player really helping you out or not. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's the reality of it. So I I get why people want you know as you know the Raiders did it with uh, Khalil Mack that worked out for him great. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean it's going to work out for everyone. It, we just you have no idea. The right. Raiders it worked out because we got a guy who actually um, was just studying those college. I mean, he was like just getting ready for drafts, and then all of a sudden the Raiders get Mayock, and he was like well prepared. I mean, let's be honest here. He was at the top of his game when he went to go draft. So yeah. uh, for me, I I like. Um, I like the move for Seattle and good for the Jets. They got a lot back for him. And you're right though. I mean, this sucks for Sam Darnold. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be rough for him. I mean, I I wish he would have at least gotten a chance, Mm -hmm. but it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So unfortunate for the Jets uh, are, well, unfortunately for Sam Darnold and the Jets really, but um, you know, they did get a lot back at least. So there is hope. But mm-hmm. 
for sure it uh it's kind of a rough rough situation uh overall for for new york for now at least so yeah all right cody well, we just wanted to touch up on that a little bit, um, but uh, now let's get into what we came here for, is talking about uh, sports that are uh, about to start and sports that have already started. So mm-hmm. first, we wanted to talk about, I wanted to go into the NBA first. Uh, the NBA starts Friday? Thursday. Thursday, sorry. So uh, the Lakers play on Friday. That's why I'm thinking <laughs> Friday. Um, yes, the league starts, uh, starts back up, I should say, uh, on Thursday. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. Um, you know, obviously we know, uh, in the Eastern, uh, yeah, in the Eastern conference, the Washington wizards, uh, are going to be without Bradley Beal. So I think it's a safe bet that the wizards are not going to do anything. Um, (laughs) so sorry, wizards, but it's not going to happen. Um, but you know, uh, the bucks look pretty good. Uh, I've seen the Raptors they're, they're you know, they're tough out, uh, the mm-hmm. Celtics, Jason Tatum, uh, you know, Miami heat, Indiana Pacers, Philadelphia 76ers, the Nets, the magic. Um, those are probably, those are probably what you're going to see. I don't see the Hornets or the bulls making a jump. Um, and definitely don't see that. Oh, I don't think the Knicks are invited. So <laughs> I think it's just Wizards, honestly. I don't think the Hornets are even invited. Anyway. No, so there's only 22 teams. Eight of them are from the um, East. And uh, those teams I thought the are, Wizards were in. The Wizards are in. Nine. So here's, here's the um, – I just had the list up right now of teams from the East and the West that are in. So I will read it off quickly so that way – we bring everyone up to speed if no one has been watching ESPN during quarantine. So Eastern Conference teams are the Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Heat, Pacers, 76ers, Knicks, Magic, and Wizards. So there's nine. Beg your pardon. Nets, nine. Knicks. Yes, Nets. Um, so those are the nine Eastern teams. And the Western Conference, which is 13 teams, is <laughs> Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Jazz, Thunder, Rocket, Mavericks, Grizzlies, Blazers, Pelicans, Kings, Spurs, and the Suns. So okay. those are the those are the twenty two teams that are in the bubble currently. So um, the question I have for you first, Cody, um, is what team do you think is coming out of the Eastern Conference to be in the NBA championship uh, during this whole NBA bubble tournament thing? <laughs> So at first, I actually watched a little bit of the Raptors scrimmage with the with the Rockets, and I got to be honest. One of the things I'm kind of concerned with the Rockets is their small ball, which I'll get into in a minute. But I really like the Raptors not to come out, but I really like them as a heavy favorite, just because one, they're coming off of a championship. Other than Kawhi Leonard, they still have pretty much the majority of their team intact. They're very good about sharing the ball, and actually, they've got some some pretty good three point shooters with. Lowry, uh, Van Fleet, and then uh, Siakam has also been improved in his three-point shooting. And you have Serge Ibaka that can uh, go from deep as well. And they, they all four shoot it with pretty good ease. And not only that, but they can dribble penetrate and finish up the hole very, very well. So they're going to be a tough team. I like the Boston Celtics with, um, of course, Kimball Walker, Jason Tatum. Um, you know, I think that combination is going to do very well. And they're very deep in their bench as well. Um, but in my opinion, I still think that the Bucks are the favorite to come out of the East. I mean, you have um, 
you have Giannis on the team. You still have Brooke Lopez, uh, Brogdon, Middleton, uh, Bledsoe. Um, and that's just basically the starters. We're not even talking about the bench, which is actually fairly deep and fairly young, which is what was giving the Lakers problems uh, in the first matchup that they played. But the Lakers did win the most recent one. Um, but anyways, though, with Giannis, though, being so young and so hungry, um, you know, I definitely think that he's going to get the uh, Bucks um, all the way um, to represent the East. So, um, like I said, the Bucks though, are going to be an extremely hard out. I mean, you've got to beat Giannis four out of seven times if you're in a playoff format in that sense. And mm-hmm. I just don't see Giannis losing four times um, to the same team in a best of seven. Um, you know, the only team that I can think of that might disrupt him is the 76ers, only because they got the length. But mm-hmm. other than that, though, I think the Bucks basically control their own destiny. Um, you know, they, uh, each team has eight games to kind of play to kind of get the seating in order. Um, and then they kind of go from there. But, you know, in my opinion, I think Giannis and the Bucks in the East have basically the best shot of representing the Eastern Conference in the finals. So who's a team that you, uh, that you foresee coming out of the East? You know, I, I agree with you. I have the Bucks um, coming out of the East. And honestly, I, I was going to say the Celtics. But my issue right now is Kemba Walker is still dealing with a knee issue that he was dealing with before COVID and it hasn't really gotten any better. And so for me, that is problematic because I love Jason Tatum. I think Tatum is, is and will be the leader of this uh, Celtics team for, you know, years to come. But, and I, I believe he can lead the team no problem, but you do need Kemba especially when you're going against the Bucks, especially when you're going against the 76ers, or even, for that matter, the Heat. Um, so Kemba does create a little bit more separation for uh, Tatum. Um, so when you take out Walker, I mean, who are you really going to rely on as your second guy? I mean, Gordon Hayward, you know, at one point in time in his career, yes, but... So far with Boston, uh, I don't think he's ever shown that, you know. Um, and to be perfectly honest, a big thing that worries me with the Celtics is they really don't have a guy who could guard Giannis. They really don't have a big guy. I mean, Tice, um, he's he's an okay defender. Well, I shouldn't say okay. He He's a good defender, but he's not going to slow down Giannis. Um. And I'm just talking about Giannis as, you know, power forward or small forward. I mean, Tice is their center. I mean, Tatum's not going to guard. He's not going to guard Giannis. There's no Mm -hmm. way. So, uh, I mean, you could put, you know, maybe Marcus Smart. (laughs) I would just love to see That would not be very, that wouldn't be a very good matchup. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It would be like Patrick Beverly trying to guard him. You'd have a better chance putting Taco Falls on him. But only down low because there's no way he can guard him on the perimeter. Yeah, so that's my issue with the Celtics is not only is Walker dealing with uh, uh, an ailing knee, um, you're also dealing with how are you going to guard, you know, Giannis. And for that matter, even if they face, which they could possibly face, uh, I believe they would be the 76, yeah, the 76ers. Mm -hmm. um, Who's going to guard Embiid? You know, how are you going to slow down Simmons? Um, And then you have to worry about Tobias Harris as well. So 
for me, I, I really like the Celtics team, but they need they need someone to be able to slow down either one of those guys. So uh, I just don't see them having that guy right now. And I mm-hmm. think uh, next year, if they made you know a trade or, or a free agent signing, uh, it could be good next year. But for this year, it, it's not going to be the Celtics. And I also wanted to say the Sixers. But the issue is Simmons and Embiid being on the court at the same time has been an issue mm-hmm. all year long. Um, and I think a lot of people are getting in love with, oh, Embiid was, you know, Embiid was losing weight during the quarantine. He was working so hard. Yes, that's great, but he didn't work with Simmons. So that was the issue. It wasn't Embiid's game per se. I mean, there was there were times in the postseason last year where Embiid kind of just didn't seem like he was doing much or trying, you know, and that was an issue. But you look at you look at this year and you watch and it was the Simmons and B duo and they just couldn't get it right with each other. It, it was, it was a constant tug of war. And what's funny is, you know, you could, you, in a sense, you should bench one of them, but you could, you like, you can't physically tell yourself to do that. Who are you going to bench? You know, mm-hmm. you're going to bench Tobias Harris. Are you going to bench Ben Simmons? You're going to bench Joel Embiid. Um, you know, if I'm a coach, I'm not doing it, you know, but, um, I, I want to see, because the Sixers, they, to me, they have the best chance of beating the Bucks. Mm-hmm. You could put Embiid on, uh, Giannis and it could become a problem for Giannis because of his length, or you could put Harris on, uh, Giannis. I don't think he's as good as a defender as Embiid, but he'll at least put up a good fight mm-hmm. and, also, Ben Simmons. You could also put him on Giannis. Simmons is actually a really talented defender. So that's another guy. So mm-hmm. for me, the Sixers have the best matchup. If the Sixers, if Simmons and Embiid can get out of their own way, this could be a really scary team to face in the playoffs. But for me, I just don't see it. I don't see how it's going to get any better. I like Giannis. You have Chris Middleton, who last year kind of, didn't show up during postseason, so you know. Hopefully that changes. He is healthy now. Um, he did have an injury earlier this year, and uh, Robin Lopez has really stepped up, and he actually hit a three in the in one of the preseason games I saw, which I was like, "Whoa, that's that's your brother's range right there, man." <laughs> so, uh, but you know, the the Bucks, uh, it's a scary team. They have many ways they can they can slice and dice you and. Um, you know, I, I, I like the Raptors, but I think them stopping with the momentum that they have and now trying to start it up, I just don't see that it's going to continue. I think it's, for me, the toughest team is going to be, for the Bucks. it's going to be the Sixers, but I think the mm-hmm. Bucks are going to end up on top. Just like what you said, you got to play Giannis four times. That's tough. That's tough to stop. Yeah, no, I agree. So who, uh, who do you think in the West is going to come out then? Well, call me biased, but I got the Lakers. Um, this this is my thing. Everyone wants to look at the Clippers and talk about their depth, and I'm not denying it, but they had a couple of guys leave, and now they've had to add some different pieces, and they're like, oh, now you know they got Joakim Noah. Do we remember the last time Joakim Noah played? It, 
it didn't look good. Honestly, I thought he had retired. I didn't know he was still available. Like, honestly. Joaquin Noah at one time was a great defender. You know, he was a high-energy guy, but he's not that he doesn't fit today's NBA. When he went in, he was still a, a factor in the NBA. Now, he's not. He doesn't shoot. He's not a great post guy. He's just a really good defender and a good rebounder. And that's okay. Maybe that's all they need him for. But when I remember when the Clippers signed Joakim Noah, they're like, oh, the Clippers just got better. And I was like, honestly, I think the J.R. Smith signing for the Lakers is a much bigger deal than with Joakim Noah because Smith can hit a three, you know? And yeah. Smith is actually a really good defender, and that always gets lost. A lot of people just remember J.R. Smith as a guy who – you know, messed up in, in the, uh, you know, with LeBron James and that famous, you know, picture of LeBron, like in the NBA finals, Dude, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. in the NBA finals, like basically screaming at him. Right. And that's what everyone remembers of J.R. Smith. But let's be honest, J.R. Smith can hit a three. He's a good, good guard defender. Uh, you missing Avery Bradley and replacing him from J.R. Smith. You're actually getting a taller. Yes. an older, uh, Avery Bradley, but you're still getting a guy who's a good defender. So I never got when there were, when everyone was saying, "Oh, Avery Bradley, that's a huge loss." It is, but J.R. Smith he does add something to it. And then they also added Dion Waiters. He can he's another guy who can shoot. Now we've gained more shooters than what we had before. So and, and here's the other thing: I know everyone wants to go. Well, the Clippers they can guard LeBron. You can put Kawhi or Paul George on him. Even maybe sometimes Patrick Beverly. Listen, Patrick Beverly is not going to slow down LeBron. He's slowed down KD because KD is not a power guy. KD is a finesse guy. LeBron will take it to the rack anytime he wants, and he will overpower Patrick Beverly. I like Patrick Beverly. I think he's a great defender. But listen, KD and LeBron are two different beasts. Okay? So let's not get crazy with that. Second of all, yes, Kawhi and Paul George can switch up on LeBron, and they'll hold their own. No question. I'm not arguing that. What I'm arguing is Kawhi is not going to be able to shut down Anthony Davis like everyone thinks he can, and also Paul George is not going to. Anthony Davis is the outlier here. Joakim Noah is not going to slow down Anthony Davis. Zubac is not going to slow down Anthony Davis. Montrezl Harrell... I'll give you that he might be a better defender than those guys, but I saw them go. I saw him go against Anthony Davis in all the games that they played, and Anthony Davis not only took it to Harrell every single time, but Harrell was getting frustrated every single time. Win or lose with the Clippers, it didn't matter. I was watching that matchup. Anthony Davis is a problem for the Clippers. They don't have the length and they don't have the power to stop him. And what has LeBron been doing all year long? Led the league in assists and flowed the offense through Anthony Davis. And if they do that, it's going to be a tough out for the Clippers. That's why I have the Lakers. Anthony Davis is the outlier. Now, there's a ton of more teams. I mean, the Mavericks are a big problem. They're the seventh seed, and they're going to be one of the scariest seventh seed if the Clippers have to face the Mavericks in the first round, they might be exhausted just from that. And then if they later on have to face the Lakers, 
it, the Clippers might be out. And I know everyone wants to say, well, they're going to have a ton of time to, yes. But when you have to chase Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis for possibly, there's either four or even seven games, that's going to be a lot. And then you have to play another, you have to play another series after that. And then you're probably going to see the Lakers after that. That's tough. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's the Lakers coming out of the West. Uh, Cody, who do you have coming out of the West? So I will say that I do have the Lakers as the favorite coming out of the West too. Pretty much the same points that you made is what I, I would say as well. Um, I actually think that we are on a collision course for the Bucks and the Lakers, although I do love the drama that's in between around the Western Conference and you know some part of the Eastern Conference as well to see who's actually going to be in the finals. Um, you know, with LeBron not only having extended rest in the offseason to kind of prepare even more, and, you know, we all witnessed how dialed in he was and how dialed in AD was, and basically right before quarantine happened, the Lakers were probably at the height of their power with how they were rolling and their shooting and just their ability to trust one another. And then um, now, you know, essentially you gave LeBron an additional, like, four months off basically like an additional off season to then ramp up for uh, the last eight games of a supposed regular season. And then the playoff swing right now, um, you know, we can all agree that LeBron is probably one of the players that is going to make a huge difference on the court in terms of scoring passing, mm-hmm. especially now rebounding his defensive presence clearly can tell that he's now stepped up his defensive game since they brought in AD who AD is uh, you know, one of, a, one of the top candidates to be defensive player of the game on top of also averaging nearly 27 points a game and nearly 10, uh, 10 rebounds, uh, excuse me. I will say, though, that I am a little bit nervous with some of the teams out of the West that, you know, I am confident that the Lakers are the favorites, but, you know, some teams I don't want to see the Lakers really get into a drag-out fight just because the t- kind of the way that this team these teams are constructed, they can easily – kind of take one on the Lakers because in my opinion some of the problem with the Lakers is when they get too comfortable later in the game their defense lacks or they have a hard time closing out on shooters or you know sometimes if uh, you have uh, you know some of our big men like Dwight Howard for example used to be a defensive uh, you know player of the year type type player but now obviously a little bit older he doesn't have the foot speed as he used to so if you get someone who's uh, you know a little bit more of a playmaker or speedier you know offensive player you know it kind of can cause problems um kcp is a good defender but you know sometimes he can get beaten off the dribble um you know ad is really good but sometimes depending again if it's a small shifty guard and they can get around him then it opens up the defense once it collapses so like teams like the clippers i am worried about because the clippers have an opportunity to go into an aggressive small ball that could give the Lakers problems, especially in like late games, because yes, you have Patrick Beverly, who we know is not going to lock down LeBron, like what everyone maybe assumes. And I agree with your point about it. You know, the difference between Katie and LeBron, I don't think LeBron will have any issue with Beverly just because again, the size difference and Beverly may want to mess things up, but I think LeBron obviously is mentally strong to not let that happen. Mm-hmm. However, though, you know, you do have Paul George, Harrell, and then they also have Reggie Jackson, who obviously they signed from uh, uh, the Pistons when they released him. You obviously, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, they do have one of the Morris twins, just as we do, who's a good, you know, three-point shooter, and he's a good defender. Um, 
we do they did draft uh, they did sign again Joakim Noah and I don't obviously he's not there for offensive purposes he could just be there as a rim protector because they really don't have a lot of them because they are kind of a smaller team um, then you have Lou Williams you have Zubak who's uh, can, is a young defender he's not an offensive scorer but you know he can get you crucial rebounds um, you have Schmidt um, Magruder I mean you have all this young talent that could easily get their own shot but you know if the Clippers put together a, a smaller lineup, such as Jackson at the point. Let's say you have uh, Leonard and um, Paul George on the court, Harold, and then let's just say Lou Williams. So they're, they are shooters and penetrators, and that would kind of really stretch the Lakers out, especially if they want to be long to mm-hmm. where those, you know, those defenders have to go and and be honest on the defensive side, which would open up the middle or, you know, if it's late rotations and they, they're knockdown shooters. So that's one of the things that I worry about is the Clippers can get to a point of small ball. That's even better than what, let's say the Rockets want to do. Cause the Rockets small ball doesn't really work because not everybody can be a, is a threat in a sense to penetrate and to, you know, finish on the three point line, let's say mm-hmm. as the Clippers, in my opinion, I think the Clippers are a better three pointing team with mm-hmm. just that roster I pointed out, and even if Harold's not a threat on the on the defensives on the uh, three point line, you know he definitely is a disruptor in terms of getting rebounds and and doing all the um, you know the banging down down low when it comes to the big guys and such, where he can disrupt or maybe create an extra offensive possession that you know you can't really afford to give up. Mm-hmm. Um, another team that I would be really weary about is the Blazers. I know we didn't have a whole lot of issues with the Blazers in the season. But, you know, they do have uh, – uh, they do still have Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Nurkic is back. Um, they still have Whiteside. They have Carmelo Anthony, who's still an offensive presence. You know, I'm not saying that the Blazers are a huge threat, but they could give the Lakers a run for their money just because they are also as tall. Nurkic and Whiteside are rebounders, and they can also, um, you know, be offensive boards in terms of putting the ball back getting their boards um, on the offensive side, which creates more possessions. Literal, uh, Leonard, excuse me, Damian Lillard is a clutch shooter. Uh, CJ McCollum is a skilled basketball player that can do just about anything you need. And he, and it's not, it's not easy to slow him down. And to be truthful, I don't know if we'll have enough defenders to kind of help slow uh, McCollum down just because he's that offensively skilled. And, you know, the Blazers could make an interesting matchup in the playoffs or even when it comes to seeding to really, like, put a wrench in the Lakers' plans. So I'm not saying that the Blazers are more of a threat than the, than the Mavs, let's say, because the Mavs, I think, you know, are a whole different team. But I think the Lakers are going to represent the West, but I think the Blazers and um, the Clippers are going to be the two teams, in my opinion, that are going to give the Lakers the most run for their money in terms of who's going to come out of the West. So. Yeah, and I I don't want people to think that I'm I'm saying like the Clippers are terrible. No, I mean I think if the Lakers and Clippers show you know faced each other in the playoffs, it's going seven games. Like I <laughs> I don't see it going any less. Yeah. So it's not like I'm saying oh the Clippers suck. No, I know you know I'm not saying Kawhi Leonard sucks. I'm not saying Paul George can't guard LeBron. I I I know they can, and I know that um, Marcus Morris can also but my my thing is Anthony Davis is that outlier and they don't really have I mean you could put Marcus Morris on him but he he's not going to slow Anthony Davis like everyone thinks he can I mean Anthony Davis is 
is a lengthier, strong, young dude. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's the issue with Anthony Davis. He's an absolute problem. He's got a a high vertical. I mean, the mm-hmm. guy is just insane. So um, that that's why I say. Uh, and and you could flip it around on me. I mean, you could say, you know, okay, LeBron, you can put him on Kawhi, and you can put, or you can put him on on Paul George, and have you know Anthony Davis on, you know, Kawhi or someone like that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's going to be a hard matchup. But overall, I believe in LeBron and Anthony Davis um, offensively, and I also think they're really good defenders. Just like Paul George and Kawhi, so yeah, I just I'm picking, uh, I'm picking uh, the Lakers because I think Anthony Davis is going to be a problem for really any team. Uh, but I agree, the Blazers are are going to be a really tough team, and and the Mavericks as well. So yeah, no argument here. All right, well we got all that NBA in us. Uh, that was fun. Now let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, baseball. So baseball has started. Uh, Cody, you and I have been doing uh, fantasy baseball, and uh, just before we go into any more, kind of how are you, what are your thoughts on on how the the new fantasy baseball league is? Um, it's different. If anything, I have to think of it not into not into week to week terms. I have to think of it long term. So, like mm-hmm. for example, Justin Verlander has a forearm issue, so he's on the ten day IL. So, you know, obviously I put him in the IL and now I've got to figure out a pitcher who I think in the next few starts is going to help carry my average. So normally I would look to see how many starts that they've done and really figure out what their ERA is and then kind of go from there. But now with this point system, I'm more looking like how many innings is somebody going to go? What, how many runs did they give up before? What's their strikeouts? Mm -hmm. I'm really factoring into that. And right now, because it's still so early on in the season, there's really not a whole lot of data to really go off of. So it's more just a gut feeling. And now like I would usually do a lineup that would have more or less more players that are going to get on base consistently. So Mm -hmm. my strategy for fantasy baseball is I'm not looking for guys that are going to hit 50 home runs in a season. I'm more or less looking for guys that are going to have a batting average as close to 300, if not north of that as possible, regardless of how many days they play. Because I'm playing on averages that they're going to get hits and bring in runs more than they're going to get home runs. And in our league, that's more valuable because the more runs you drive in, the more walks you get or whatever, it drives up the points rather than one home run in a seven-game week matchup, Mm -hmm. you know. So I definitely am thinking it differently because I'm now looking at my roster and saying, well, I don't need a guy that's going to get on base that much. I'm looking for now who's my home run guy. I got to make sure that he's yeah. in because at any moment he's going to pop off with a home run. And then yeah. I have to make sure I have the guy with the high batting average in at all times. So it's definitely yeah. a different mindset. And honestly, too, because I'm not going against anybody other than myself, my lineup changes are very minimal. And I'm wondering if I'm even going to have to add or drop anybody unless of an injury just because yeah. of how this season is playing out and, you know, just how being methodical you have to be in terms of like who you're starting or who your matchups are. So it's definitely a, it's a different thinking game than what I've been introduced to in fantasy baseball for sure. Yeah. One of the things I, ha- I, in my first baseman, I have Anthony Rizzo and I have uh, Matt Olson from the A's and Olson is a good power hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rizzo, he can hit for power. He's probably not going to have as many home runs as Olson, but he also hits for average. 
And so uh, a couple of days ago, I actually put in Olsen because I was like, oh, I want to bring up my home run numbers a little bit. And he went like over. Yeah. And um, so then, and then Rizzo on my bench got like a hit. And I was like, you know what? It's going to be smarter if I keep in Rizzo because if he doesn't get a home run, that's okay as long as he's getting me hits. And actually, the last couple of days that I've done that, my, uh, my points have been slowly increasing. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that with my whole lineup. Uh, it just sucks that I have Aaron Judge, and right now he's not playing, and Jonathan VR as well because he's not playing on, uh, for the Marlins right now. So, um, you know, that's kind of a little unfortunate. But, um, yeah, I've been, I've been really happy. And I actually just pick up a, uh, picked up a giant uh, this morning, uh, Mikey Stremski. Mm. And um, I'm actually watching the Giants game right now, and uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. So he just got a hit. So that was really cool. <laughs> so hey, he's in my starting lineup, and oh, he's at oh, he's at the plate now. Uh oh. All right, all right. Well, here we go. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. If he strikes out, you might hear me uh, say some choice words. Anyway, um, Cody. Uh, basically, the the biggest story coming out of baseball this weekend is uh, not baseball starting. It's more uh, the, Mar- the Miami Marlins came out and they had, uh, I think now they're up to, I want to say 14, f- 15 players. I think it was uh, 17 as of this afternoon. Oh, it's 17. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, it's gotten worse. <laughs> so uh, 17 players who have uh, tested positive for COVID. Uh, so as you know, they shut down the last, uh, last two days now. Um, and now they came out and said that they're not going to play until at least, uh, this Sunday. So we'll see, we'll obviously have to keep our eyes open for that. And that's going to be something that, uh, for fantasy baseball players, uh, we're definitely going to have to, um, we're going to have to keep an eye on if they're going to make up those games or not, because that, you know, that can, that can be a huge factor, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, a lot of people are like, Oh, is the season going to shut down? And my argument was this, luckily they had a three game series against the Orioles. So it was the Marlins and Orioles. Uh, I'm sorry. It was, uh, Marlins and Phillies. They mm-hmm. were supposed to play the Orioles. So in a three game series between the Phillies and, um, you know, luckily, it's just those two teams, and they hadn't played anyone else, and they hadn't left Philadelphia. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, there is an outbreak in baseball. But fortunately, it really has stayed in one spot. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, what are you kind of thinking uh, when this came out and, and kind of, I guess, your your opinions on this? So I'm very saddened for baseball for sure, because, you know, the one thing, for example, for most baseball fans, they're not going to be too hung up or, you know, in my opinion, they're not really thinking that much about football or more, you know, the NBA or soccer or any of the other sports. Baseball is their one safe haven. And, you know, it's America's pastime for a reason. It's one of the oldest sports ever recorded. And, you know, it's basically in the, fabric of America, so to speak. Um, however, though, with something like this, and in my opinion, the way that the commissioner has been kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say, you know, 
in a way like misleading about it. I mean, he even said that the testing is working and it's not as bad as it seems, but you have 17 players on the Marlins tested positive and you have teams, uh, reported teams willing now to not go to, uh, go and play the, uh, the Marlins just because of the fear. And now, like, we don't know if there's any positive tests out of the Phillies yet, you know. And, again, so even if there's any positive tests from the Phillies, who, where did they go following the game? You know, where did the Marlins go following the game? Or who, you know, trying to do contact tracing with the Marlins? And, you know, there's now this underlining fear that is very, very prevalent in the MLB. And, you know, for those that are like, oh, no, they'll get over it, you know, they're, they're athletes, whatnot. I mean, you have, a, you have a Red Sox pitcher right now who has had COVID and has actually remaining issues of COVID that he's not sure how it's going to affect his professional career. And it's a real tangible fear of what this virus might do. And it's not as easy as just, oh, I have a positive test, I'm out for two weeks, and whatever the season goes on. No, I mean – and from what we know about this virus, it spreads a lot faster than people realize. And, you know, the contagion rate is a lot higher than, than like an average flu or cold. So, you know, I, I, find it, I find it unfortunate just because, you know, baseball could have gotten ahead of this and yet they decided to go regional, which for them seemed like a great idea. But, you know, if they didn't want to do a bubble, maybe they should have done three different bubbles and have the central teams meet up at one location and you just have like a, everlasting you know rotation of play, uh, of games with those teams and so, and so on and so forth with the east and the west or or whatnot but I don't think it was a great idea to still have this vague openness of teams traveling to other markets to still play you know uh, bypassing whoever might be or might not be exposed and you know and then you know cross-contamination essentially which is basically what happened and so you know, I, I don't think MLB has the luxury of adding on additional games that they're canceling. It's not like it's a normal season, so they can't just add any games to the back end or on certain days off or add any double-doubles because you – know, or double-headers, excuse me, just because, I mean, we don't know. I, I'm anticipating that this season's going to be over halfway through and the Marlins is just the tip of the iceberg, you know, so – I find it unfortunate, but, uh, you know, in a way it's kind of an, I told you so, I mean, we were talking about it a few weeks ago, how MLB doesn't really have the greatest structure in terms of like what they're going to do to come back other than regional play and here and there. But I mean, that's it. There's no sort of way of like how the NBA has basically made a model of, you know, putting people in a bubble to get it all done. And then, you know, other sporting teams have an opportunity to do it or, or, you know, do it to what fits around them. And it's almost like, it's almost like this, you, you can almost see that sports is divided into this kind of principle, which is kind of how it is out there in the real world, which is <laughs> the NBA is saying mass save lives in the MLB and NFL are the people that don't, that don't think it's real. <laughs> and all, and I'm yeah. not saying that the players, I'm just saying like, the leadership that's like you can you can feel the difference in terms of like the NBA did everything they could to keep it isolated and away from everybody to make sure that there's no possibility of there being any sort of virus or anything like that and they've succeeded for the most part with you know the most recent zero positive tests come back so we'll see with more testing down the line but then you have MLB who had 
a half a team basically test positive and you have the NFL that had majority of the rookies test positive and that's not even including what other teams on the NFL are going to report on who's positive and you know they all supposedly have the same testing protocols but yet it seems like two out of these three teams have the have the thought process of oh it'll, it'll work itself out and then the NBA is the one that has erred on the side of the most caution and yet stopped in the middle of the season and was able to pick right back up with really all steam, uh, full steam ahead with no sort of, um, no sort of delays that we are aware of or that are anticipated. So, you know, with all that in a nutshell, that's kind of how my thoughts are, but you know, I'm, I'm more or less curious to see what you're thinking about the whole situation, Andrew. Um, you know, uh, it's unfortunate, uh, for sure. I mean, it's something that to be honest, we figured was going to happen because they are still traveling, kind of like what you were talking about. Um, listen, the the I know a lot of people want to blame the players because it was up to the players. They were they were given a choice. Hey, we could do the regional thing where you can still travel, but you know it's just going to be regional regional. Um, or, um, you can, we can do like a, you like a bubble thing, you know, in Arizona or whatever, and just, uh, play in the spring training, uh, stadiums. And they voted that they wanted to do the regional, which whatever, you know, I wouldn't have voted that way, but other, obviously there were people that did. My issue is this, the, this is the owner's fault. Because they gave, they were struggling with the players with the whole money situation. And then not only that, they were also struggling with the players to, um, they gave them a choice of, hey, do you want to go travel still or should we just do a bubble thing? You're complaining that you have to pay these players a certain amount of money. And then, then you're just like, oh, we'll just let them, you know, travel. Like, now you're risking, not only are you risking players' lives, but you're also risking the money that was in your pocket that you were so cold to. Like, mm-hmm. you did not want to give that up at all. So it's almost like it's a sudden change. They're like, oh, well, now we figured that out, so who cares? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like... It, to me, it just, it doesn't make sense. Um, you know, I know a lot of people want to blame the players, but honestly, for me, it's the owners. They, they gave them a choice. And like, what do you, what did you think they were going to say? I mean, they're, they want to, their thought is, oh, you know, there's going to be no fans in the stand, so it'll be fine. You know, I'm sure there were people who were like, I don't want to do this, but majority rules and the players decided that they were going to continue to travel just regionally, mm-hmm. which is, I don't blame them because to be honest, I might want to do that. You know, mm-hmm. I've tried to talk my wife into, <laughs> into flying somewhere. Uh, it never goes well, but you know, it's just like you get so cooped up. Like sometimes your only thought is tunnel vision of, I, I just want to go somewhere, you know? Um, so for me, it's not surprising that the players voted for that. I think it should have, it's on the owners. The owners are, were complaining about, oh, we have to pay these players this money. We have to do this for them and yada, yada, yada. And then 
like essentially the money that you're paying these players and then if they get sick you still have to pay them because you're having a season now mm-hmm. you don't stop playing paying players because they get injured you still pay them that's the risk that you run and it's going to be the same thing so for me it was it was a very poor decision by the owners um now i you can call me a hypocrite. I love watching the Giants still play at Oracle Park. I love it. It's great. The no fans thing doesn't bug me. I know it bugs a lot of some people. It doesn't bug me. I don't care. Um, I like seeing the Giants in Oracle Park where they play at home. I love it. You know, I'm sure Dodger fans love to see them in Dodger Stadium. I'm sure Yankee fans love to see them play in Yankee Stadium. And so on and so forth. I'm sure we all love it. So, yeah, it's really cool. But the fact of the matter is, if the owners really wanted to not possibly stop the season again, they would have done the whole bubble thing. Like the NBA, they did it right. They said, hey, listen, we're thinking about this. They, They talked to the players. Hey, what do you think about this? They didn't say, what do you think if we do this or this? And that's the difference. That is the difference. MLB let them have a choice. And now you're seeing what happens when you let them just have their emotional reaction. And I'm not saying that the players are completely innocent in this, but I don't blame them. Because I, like I said, I would be doing the same thing. Because I would have tunnel vision because I've been home for five months, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just, um, that, that's my feeling on it. Um, you know, for me, I, I think baseball could have got this right a long time ago and they got stuck up in the money and then they were like, well, let's just play in the stadiums, you know? And it was just, it was, it was bad all the way around. And now I, now it's good that it only happened in one spot and they didn't play anyone else, which is great. So we don't have to worry about it right now, but, this is <laughs> this is what they expected, and if this is what they expected, they should have just had it in one spot. So if one person gets it, they can just stay there, and everyone can be monitored. Just like Lou Williams, he got caught. You know, he got caught because he had to come back, and there's so many eyes around; it's hard to miss. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think baseball could have got it could have done better. But yeah. unfortunately, they haven't, and this is what we're this is what we're with. All right, man. Well, it was good stuff. Uh, you know, I wanted to do our um, you know predictions for baseball, but uh, this whole Marlins thing kind of threw a wrench into that. And uh, I think we can do it next week. I don't think it's I don't think it's too late yet. So, um, but uh, you know, I, I love talking about that. We're talking about sports, and we're talking about real sports you know obviously yes covid is still a factor and so that's always going to be at least uh, prominent in the in the conversation but for the most part we've seen baseball i mean i'm watching baseball while recording the podcast like i haven't done that in so long Mm -hmm. (laughs) since last year you know like that's just it's insane that i'm actually watching a sport um you know being without it for four or five months so um I'm I'm really glad that uh, at least for now we have sports. 
I think if baseball fails, at least I've, I really feel strongly that basketball is in a good position. Uh, hopefully they keep it that way. Um, I don't know about the NFL and that's a, that's a conversation for another day, but uh, definitely for me, I'm glad to see sports coming back and also that they are back. So awesome. All right, guys. Well, uh, I think we're, we're good. Uh, Cody, any final thoughts? Uh, only final thoughts I have is a shame on us as men for having uh, daughters. The WNBA has also started up, so I'm definitely going to try to do my best to do some homework and keeping up on how their games are going and all that stuff. So that way, you know, I think it'll be good to highlight a few few games because, I mean, we got to put some respect on these WNBA um, players. I mean, every now and again when it's on TV and you and I talk, we just get blown away by how – I wouldn't say they're more skilled, but just – you know, they, the way that they do layups creatively and, you know, I'm at, you know, that's really their, their way of, I don't want to sound terrible, but of dunking just because, you know, not all of them are doing it, but you know, there's so many good athletic players in the WNBA that have such great skills that, uh, you know, I think we need to start recognizing them considering we have daughters and, uh, I think it'd be great to start recognizing some WNBA and, you know, their season is back up and started. So I definitely keep up on that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, w- I actually wanted to watch some games, but I had to choose whether uh, I could watch WNBA or MLB. And I asked my daughter, did you want to watch? And she was like, uh, no, I want to watch YouTube. So she <laughs> went in her room and I was like, well, I'm just going to watch baseball then. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I, I, I need to be better about it. I need to watch it. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's really cool. I was actually, I was actually following at least the scores and, mm-hmm. um, I really root for the Sparks, honestly, because of Lisa Leslie when she was uh, with when WNBA first started and she was with the Sparks. Yeah. Uh, so I've always kind of watched them and and uh, seeing how how they're playing. And, uh, you know, I saw that they won their first game, which was really cool. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, WNBA. And honestly, the talent in WNBA, I think, is at its best right now. Yeah. Uh, no, there's some... Oregon. I, I honestly I can't pronounce her name, so I'm not even going to try. I think it's Sabrina something. No, Sabrina. Yeah, I don't know. How, I, I meant her last name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce. Don't her ask last me name. how to pronounce last names. We all know that I can't do that. So <laughs> yeah. Um. And then uh, AJ Wilson or Asia Wilson, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, she's a really good defender, and I love watching her. I watched her in the celebrity all-star game and she was she did not care who she didn't care who these celebrities were she was swatting them left and right it was fantastic i was loving every minute of it so uh you know um there's so many other players i i'm i'm not just i don't want to go on down a list and down a rabbit hole but yeah uh wnba to me is is a really good uh really good talent pool this year yeah for sure All right, guys. Well, I guess we will see you next week. Go check out all of our rest, all the rest of our uh, episodes on this podcast and go check out two bays in a pod where they come out every, every, uh, well, Monday, not, I was going to say Sunday, but it's (laughs) it's actually Monday. It's at midnight. Uh, But uh, yeah, those are, those are really fun. And uh, this, this week's uh, two bays in a pod is going to be really, I think it's going to be really fun. So uh, go check it out. Thank you, everybody. See you next week.
Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Uh, also, we would really appreciate if you went on and uh, downloaded all of our podcasts or go listen to the podcast that maybe you haven't listened to. Uh, we are all we are we are on. Excuse me. Uh, we are on all the major uh, podcasts. That is Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeart. Um, and also subscribe, rate, and review on those. Anything and everything does help. One star helps us get better. Five star, we appreciate a lot more. So, uh, we, you know, just go ahead and do that. Also, we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and also YouTube. Go follow us on all those platforms. And if you have any questions, you feel free to comment on any post or direct message us. Uh, if you have like a question for us or if you want us to uh, answer maybe a topic that you had in mind on the podcast, we, anything and everything like I have said is appreciative. So uh, we we always love that. Also, go check out uh, fnxfitness.com. They got great workout gear and great workout uh, supplements. Uh, they do sell out really fast. So uh, make sure when you go and you get everything that you want all at once, um, I know that's easier said than done for some people, but uh, it is going to be a lot better because if you want something, uh, you need to buy it quick because they sell out fast, like I said. So, um, and if you use our code, you can actually get 15% off of your whole purchase. So it won't be as of a, it won't be as a hit to your bank account as it could be. Uh, but Cody will explain how you can get 15% off, Cody. That's right, everybody. Just go to DrewCodeSportsTalk.com. On the homepage at the bottom, you're going to see a section called Partners. Click on that. It'll take you directly to the uh, basically the snippet of FNX Fit and uh, our partnership with them. So you'd want to click on the link, take you to their website, shop, get the supplements, the gear that you need, browse around. When you're ready to check out, you're going to want to put in DrewCode15 to get 15% off your purchase at the time of checkout. Highly encourage that. Um, supplies do uh, do sell out really quickly. So whatever you need to get it now and all that gear they're rolling out with their summer collection. So you guys want to definitely uh, get in on that and it's a lot of great stuff. So anyways, guys on the website at drewcodesportstock.com, you can also see full episodes of our podcast. There's also links to all the podcast websites that we are currently on, such as iHeart, Google, Apple, and Spotify. Like Andrew mentioned, you can also see all of our social media handles and content on there. So feel free to browse around and, uh, you know, to see what we got. And uh, we appreciate you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we hope to interact with you guys. So if you guys have a topic or a question or just want to say, hey, you can leave a question or a comment on the website or you can leave it on social media when you follow us at Drew Code Sports Talk. So thank you guys so much for listening and have a great day. Adios.